All right, if you have your Bibles, go to, go to Galatians chapter 5. It could be Ephesians 6. It could put up an argument. 2 Timothy 4 could put up an argument. Philippians chapter 4 could put up an argument. But few passages in our Bibles describe the daily Christian life better than the last 11 verses of Galatians chapter 5. Paul hit it on the nose, beginning with verse 22. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. The Holy Spirit, which is the character of Christ, the nature of Christ, it's literally Christ living inside of you. You get to indwell, be indwelled by the Spirit, nature, and character of Jesus Christ has several different operations in our lives. It convicts us of our sin. Whenever you sin, there's something inside of you that's telling you that was wrong. That was the Holy Spirit telling you that. It guides our lives. It helps us with decisions. Oftentimes in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is called our counselor. It helps us pray. Romans chapter 8 says, when we don't have the words to pray, who prays for us? The Holy Spirit gives us the words to pray. It also uh, teaches us how to understand Scripture. Whenever we open up our Bibles, it's not our wisdom that understands it. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the wisdom to decipher truth. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's called the Word of Truth. It's constantly leading us to Jesus Christ. It's constantly wooing us to Him. It also, in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, says that it provides us with different gifts. Some have the gift of hospitality. Some have the gift of preaching, teaching. Some has the gift of singing. Some have uh, the gift of giving. It gives us different gifts. But in this passage, it's not talking about gifts. It's talking about fruit. This element of our Christian life carries such heavy weight that Jesus says, this is how you determine a true Christian from a make-believe Christian. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. I want to know what that fruit is. If that's the determining factor between a true follower and a false prophet, what's the fruit? It's there. Galatians 5. It gives us nine attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How are you doing with those? Now, we're not going to talk about patience. I think Paul just put a mishap whenever he put patience in there. I, I think the Lord tried to get it out, but no, it, patience is in there. 
Before we dive into the meat of this passage and why it's a game-changing passage, I want to point out one big mistake, kind of a side truth, a big mistake that we make whenever we look at Galatians 5. Preachers make the mistake in doing it, in preaching it. We make the mistake in reading it and believing it. We read Galatians 5 and says, okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I need to produce that fruit. Okay, I'll start producing that fruit. Grr. I'll I'll love more. (laughs) I'll have more joy. I'll have more peace, and I'll somehow put peace in me. And you know what you discover? You can't do that. I can't do it. I'm not the one who produces the fruit. Look at the passage a little bit uh, more carefully. What's the first line says? It says the Holy Spirit produces this fruit. Who's producing the fruit? You or the Holy Spirit? You can't do it. I can't do it. The Holy Spirit uh, does it. One of the most dangerous teachings that are out there is a teaching that uh, scholars call self-sanctification. If I just try a little harder, I can produce this kind of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You can't. It's a counterfeit love. It's a counterfeit joy. It's a counterfeit peace that we produce within ourselves. It doesn't last. It's not unconditional. It's not without circumstance. It's fake. We can fool some people with it, but over the long term, you really can't fool anybody with it. It's just a recipe for frustration. This is what's happening to a lot of Christians. They enter into the Christian life, they read that passage, they try to do it, and they can't do it, and they get frustrated, and then they give up. Self-sanctification. It's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for frustration. And this happens, boy, maybe you grew up in a church like this. You grew up and it's, okay, uh, do good, don't do bad, produce fruit, don't produce weeds, okay, and it didn't work. And you have to admit within yourself it didn't work, did it? And people get frustrated, they get discouraged, and eventually they they may even walk away from the faith. Here's here's the game-changing truth today, and let's set it up this way. There are a lot of Christians wondering why this isn't happening in their life. Why is there not an increase of the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Why am I not more loving than I was two years ago? Why do I not have more joy than I had two years ago? Why do, why do I not have more peace than I had two years ago? Why is this not working? The bookends of this passage, verse 16 and verse 25, says it like this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 25 This passage ends with, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Here it is. You can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. And we say, yeah, that's right. I like that. Uh, We may go home in our car days and say, that's right, good good preaching. I kind of expect that at church. You can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, How do I do that? Ever wondered? I've heard it a lot. Live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody says amen, we leave. Live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And nobody asks, so how? Have you ever wondered? Ever been taught? I've heard a lot of sermons, and I've preached a lot of sermons. I told everybody, live by the power of the Holy Spirit, and I walk off the stage. I told them. I have no idea what that meant, but I told them. (laughs) 
I didn't tell him how to do it, but I told him, because I don't know how to do it. I told him, live by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, walk step by step with the Spirit. And, and here's the frustration. God, I've been planting seeds. I've been watering the garden. I've been trying to produce fruit. I've been going to church. I've been praying. I started reading my Bible this last week. I'm doing, I'm doing all these things, and yet the fruit is not growing in my life. Why not? It's kind of like this boy in this video. This is going to be one of the best videos you've ever seen. I watched it about 20 times this week. This boy talks about the power of God. It's greater than the power in the world. Take a look at this boy. We, we, we feel like this. Even stronger than the world. Keep going. Best part right here. Okay, he goes on. Don't hold your laughter. I see people holding their laughter. Go ahead and let it out. He goes on and he tries to sit on the stick and it still doesn't work. I, mean, I, I know that there's power in God, there's power in the Holy Spirit, and then it doesn't work. And we sit there and wonder, why is the fruit of the Spirit not increasing in our life? The rest of this message, I simply want to talk about how to live by the Spirit, how to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we want to do. Number one, this might surprise you, pull the weeds pull the weeds. I've planted some gardens. Uh, I don't have a garden this year. Chelsea has witnessed some of my gardens that I have attempted to plant, and I emphasize the word attempt. None of them have produced much fruit. I've gotten some stuff, small tomatoes, a few green beans, some peas. Uh, I've gotten some, but not much. And do you want to know why? Because I don't like to pull weeds. That's why. Is anybody else with me? Pulling weeds, just a booger. Yeah. I, I just, it's hard work. You got to go out and prepare the soil. I, I just want the fruit. Just give me the harvest. But first, you have to do the hard work of pulling the weeds. Maybe that's you right now. You've been going to church, praying, reading your Bible, trying to plant in water, do all the things that you should be doing to produce spiritual fruit, but it hasn't been happening. The fruit of the Spirit has not been producing a harvest in your life, and you're wondering why, and the truth is because there's weeds that you need to pull. And so our tendency in Galatians 5 is jump straight to the fruit because we want the good stuff, but the passage does not start with fruit. If you have your Bibles open, you see that the passage starts with pulling the weeds. Beginning in verse 17, it says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that, that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Can you feel that? You have the flesh and the Spirit inside of you in this internal battle, in a cage match, in a UFC uh, fighting battle, and they are just one saying this and the other saying that, and there's an internal struggle and a war that is, can you sense it? The Spirit's saying this, the flesh is saying this, and then it goes on in verse 18 and talks about the weeds. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the weeds are very clear. And then it gives us 16. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. The first three out of the 16 are sexual sins, 
Sexual immorality is any kind of sexual sin outside of marriage. Impurity is a sexual sin that happens within our mind. It's just a lack of purity within our mind. And then lustful pleasures is just, you just respond by compulsion. Anything that feels good, you do it. If this looks good, you do it. You just have a, a tendency toward lustful pleasures. And then it goes on with idolatry, which is putting anything in your life ahead of God. Sorcery, or some of your passages say witchcraft. And then it gives us eight relational weeds, more relational weeds than any other kind of weed. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. There's your eight relational weeds. And then drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, he says the reason the fruit isn't being produced is because you have these weeds that you need to cut out of your life first. Now, interestingly, I don't think that's even a comprehensive list. I think he could have went on beyond 16, don't you? Because some of us are sitting there looking at that list and say, hey, he didn't hit mine. Yes. And then he says this in the end. Notice the last verse, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And then what does it say after wild parties? Other sins like these. So whatever sin that you're thinking about that you're happy that Paul didn't put on the list, he says right there, that one you're thinking about, it's in there. That's a weed too. Shocks, man, he got me. And other sins like these. But notice he talks about the weeds before he talks about the fruit. So practically, what does this look like? Here's what it looks like. I want to be more loving. First fruit of the Spirit. I want to be more loving. And a guy says, uh, you know, my marriage is uh, off I don't love her anymore. She doesn't love me anymore. I want to love her, but I don't love her. She wants to love me, but she doesn't love me. And this has been going on for a while. I want it to work. Going to counseling, going to therapy, whatever it may be. I've been reading marriage books. I've been doing this. Nathan, I, I want to love better. I want the marriage to be better. It's, and he's being genuine. And so as we sit there and talk, we later discover and we find out as the conversation goes on, uh-oh, there is a weed that's also growing in his life, and he is watering the weeds of lust on a daily basis in his life. And so he's over here saying, I want to love her. I want the, and he's genuine. He wants it to work. He's praying to God that it will work. And he's, I don't love her anymore. But over here, he's watering a weed in the same garden that he's trying to get the fruit of love in his life. And then we say, God, what is going on? He needs to pull the weeds. Or maybe joy, say, I, I want to be more joyful. This, this, the second fruit in Galatians 5 that it mentions. I want to be known as a man of joy. I want my kids to know me as a, as a person of joy. Sometimes I'm too negative. Sometimes I'm too critical. I don't want them to know me like that. I genuinely want to be joyful. Genuinely. I want this in my life. I'm praying for it in my life, for the fruit of joy to increase in my life. And so I pray it, and I read it, and I memorize the joy unspeakable verse, and I memorize this passage, but I'm not more joyful. And lo and behold, there's also these other weeds in your life. There's the, maybe the weed of bitterness. You're unforgiving towards somebody. And maybe it's your parents. Something happened to you when you were a child, and it has now defined who you are, and you will not get over it, and it is going to be resentment and bitterness for the rest of your life. And you're, on one hand, you genuinely want more joy. On the other hand, there's a weed that has to be pulled before the fruit can grow. Or the weed of jealousy, the weed of competitiveness, the weed of comparison, the weed of discontentment, all those will take away the fruit of joy in your life. First, 
pull the weeds. In my life, it has illustrated itself in a different way. In terms of working out, which I don't work out, so that's a bad illustration already, uh, one of the only forms of exercise that I participate in is playing tennis. Doug and I play tennis at least once a week. Sometimes it goes longer than that, and it's, it's, it's discouraging that he pulls out and is scared. But, um, you know, anyway, <laughs> sometimes it's more than that, uh, but that's my main form of cardiovascular activity in my life. We've been doing it for about nine years. Uh, before we moved here, we lived in an area where the nearest tennis court where we went to was 25-minute drive away. And so we would wait for the kids to go to bed. I didn't want to take any time away from my wife or kids. Once they all went to bed, hey, you want to go play tennis tonight? And we'd jump in the car. We would drive 25 minutes one way to play tennis. And we were doing this for a while, and I started to get discouraged because I looked at myself and I started to notice I'm not losing any weight. Nothing's happening. Nothing's changing at all. And I started to get frustrated. I'm like, man, what is going on? Well, lo and behold, as I started to think about it, I started, oh, yeah, after we played tennis, one night we, we were driving back home and we noticed there's a McDonald's open. Hey, you want to drive, go through the drive-thru? And we go, hey, take a sweet tea and, and, and a McDouble. <laughs> and what are you guys doing open at 11 o'clock anyway? And we go through there, hey, it's just one time, it's not a big deal. And it, be, it started, well, you already know what happened now. Every time we went and played tennis, Guess what we would do on our way home? It's time for a McDouble and a sweet tea. And it was on the way, kind of. You had to make some weird turns to accidentally go by there, but we would accidentally go by there, and we wouldn't say anything. Remember, we wouldn't say anything. We wouldn't plan on it. We would, whoever was driving would just accidentally make those weird turns through the alley. To, hey, there's Mc, they're open. Yeah, they're always open at 11, Doug. And, and I start, why am I not losing any weight? while I'm over here eating a McDouble <laughs> after, and a sweet tea after playing tennis, wiping it all away. And sometimes we do this spiritually. God, why is this not working? Why is not more fruit being produced while we're eating spiritual McDoubles? And we haven't been pulling the weed. And so here's a question, and it's not a rhetorical question. You need to answer this question really silently, not out loud, but you need to answer this. What are the weeds in my life that I need to pull so that my garden will start producing fruit? What are the weeds in my life that I need to pull so that my garden will start producing fruit? Fair warning, pulling weeds is hard work. You have to get down on your hands and knees and get your hands dirty. It's not easy. But what are those weeds in your life? Number two, living by the Spirit is continual. Verse 25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What this literally means in the original language is this, this, this walking with the Spirit or the, the word keeping in step means to walk hand in hand with somebody. Whenever we walk our kids into a store across a busy parking lot, in Houston, Texas, guess what we make them do whenever they are walking across the parking lot? They have to hold our hands, and we walk hand in hand. That's similar to what that's talking about with the Holy Spirit. We are walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, but it's even deeper than that. The word actually means, in a deeper translation, it means to keep stride. So when, to keep stride with somebody, if they take a step with their right foot, I step right, 
left, right, literally keeping stride, right, left, right, left. And if you've ever done that, maybe you did it whenever you were a kid, you haven't done it in a long time, but if you remember when you did that, you had to do what? You had to pay attention to them. And over time, you start to get a pace, but at the beginning, it's very hard. But you have to keep your eyes on that other person. And what that's saying is, how do you walk in step with the Spirit? You have to keep your eyes on the Holy Spirit. This isn't a, what this saying is, this isn't month by month, this isn't seasonal, this isn't weekly. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do a Holy Spirit thing on Sunday morning, but after that, I'm gonna go back and get my fix. I'm gonna go back and do my thing. What this is saying is, this isn't even weekly. This isn't even daily. This is moment by moment, keeping your eyes in step with the Holy Spirit, keeping in stride. And we sit here and we get frustrated that why is the fruit not being born in my life? All the while, we don't live in step with the Spirit. It's not a moment-by-moment moment thing in our lives. So Bill Bright, he, he puts it this way. He's talking about sin, and the moment you sin, repent immediately. And he says this in his book, called, he calls it spiritual breathing, which I love that. He says the moment you sin, exhale, you breathe out, repent of your sin, the moment you become aware of it. You know what most of us do? We repent every other week or so. I'll repent when I do something really bad. <laughs> but what Bill Bright is saying, to walk in step with the Spirit, is the moment I sense jealousy, exhale, repent. The moment I sense comparing myself to somebody else who seems to be getting everything better than me, and the moment that starts to, what is that? I'm going to exhale and repent. The moment anger starts to come into my life, the moment resentment comes in, the moment bitterness comes in, the moment lust starts to, uh, starts to appear, I'm going to exhale and I'm going to repent. Ask for forgiveness. Will God forgive you when you do that, church? Yes. He is faithful and just, will forgive us of our sins every single time. And then he says, once you're forgiven, Bill Bright goes on in his book to say, inhale. Inhale the forgiveness of God. Inhale his love. Inhale his grace. You breathe in and are filled with the Holy Spirit and surrender control over to him. And so what he's saying is this becomes a practice day in and day out. It becomes second nature in our life. Number three, this battle going on, this cage match, guess where the battleground is? Our mind. Romans chapter 8 teaches us that. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Nathan, now, now this, is, this is wrong because I can't control what pops in my mind. I can't control what pops in my mind. That might be true, but you can control what you dwell on. So if something pops in your mind, it's your decision to let it linger and to let it sit there and to focus on it for the next 30 minutes. Colossians 3, verse 2, Paul gives a command, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That is a command. Set your minds on things above, which means we can do it. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You would think that'd say renewing of your heart, renewing of your spirit, renewing of your soul. It says by the renewing of your mind. It starts with your mind. 
which is why we do this every now and then adventure. We do head, heart, hands, head, heart, hands. We don't want it to just get to your head. We want it to get to your heart. We don't want it to just get to your heart, the message of the Bible. We want it to get to your hands and to, for it to be put in actions. But where does it start? What's the first? It starts with the head. It starts with your mind. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, put your mind on those things. Number four, feed the spirit, starve the flesh. Feed the spirit, starve the flesh. Would you say that out loud with me? Feed the spirit, starve the flesh, which means this, not to go old-fashioned on you, not to go all hellfire and brimstone, King James, here we come. But here it comes. What kind of TV shows you watch matter? What kind of music you listen to matters? What kind of books you read matter? What kind of magazines you skim through matter? What kind of friends you hang around? It, it matters. Because you're always going to be, you're going to be feeding the Spirit and starving the flesh is what it means to walk with the Spirit. Galatians 6 says, whoever sows to Please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Feed the Spirit, starve the flesh. You ever heard of Whole30? Anybody ever heard of Whole30? It's not a diet, but it's kind of like a diet. Zero people. Anybody ever heard of Whole30? Okay, a few people. Thank you for participating and being a leader. Whole30 is not a diet. We, I've done it twice. You've done it once, right? Did you make it the whole way through? Yes, you did. Way to go, babe. Here's Whole30. 30 days of, of no sugar, no soy, no processed food, no dairy. Anything else? Legumes. What is that? Did I eat legumes? No? Okay. She was really the hard worker behind this whole thing. I've done it twice. No, no, stop and think about it. No sugar. Do you know what has sugar? Everything has sugar. It's another way to say you basically never eat anything out of a package. Nothing ever comes out of a package. Nothing's ever processed. Nothing ever goes through that. Everything is natural. Uh, meat from the, if you're a vegetarian, get over it. Meat from the cow <laughs> straight to your belly. You, you get the idea. Vegetables, fresh vegetables. It's all whole. It's all healthy. And the idea behind it, and, and, I, and, I, and I did lose weight during it, but the idea behind it is this. After 30 days, what will happen is your palate has changed. You no longer desire after th you do the first week. You do the first week. But you no longer, after 30 days, desire processed food. You don't desire sugar, I'm telling you the truth. You don't desire soy. Actually, the second time, I, I wanted nothing to do with dairy anymore to a degree. I couldn't imagine opening up a bag of chips and eating a bag. I could not imagine it. It actually made me sick to my stomach to think about. I'm over that now. I can do it again, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> I've gotten past it. <laughs> but it's, it's supposed to change your palate, which it worked. It worked. Now, that's, here's what it taught me. How many years have I been just feeding the wrong things into my body? And this is supposed to, cl to, to cleanse you of that, but how many years have I been? We are constantly feeding ourselves. It all plays a part. It all adds up. It all adds up. And so whenever, uh, now a new lifestyle, doing the calorie counting thing, what I started with was 
having a diary of writing everything I ate during the day and how many calories it was. And here's what I learned from that. Everything adds up. Everything counts. And so that little quick snack in the afternoon, it counted. And when my kids don't finish the chicken nuggets at McDonald's, and I finish the last three, and I'm trying to be a good steward of God's, you know, resources, I don't want to throw away the three chicken nuggets. I mean, I'm trying to be biblical here. And I eat those three, it counts. I had to write it down. All the sweet teas, I had to write down. And you know what I discovered? It all counted. And it all adds up. All those little things, quick little Cheez-It, which there's just more proof that God loves us, white cheddar Cheez-Its. But every time I did that, it counted. It all counts. And here's the deal spiritually. It all counts. Every song you listen to, every book you read, every TV show you watch, every, every event you go to, it all counts. It adds up. And you're either sowing to the Spirit or you're sowing to the flesh. And the Scriptures say, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so spiritually, you may say, you know what? Going to church today, it didn't change my life. It wasn't a big deal. But, but here's, <laughs> or, or saying my prayers every day or reading my Bible every day, it didn't, you may commit today that I, I'm going to start reading my Bible and tomorrow morning you read your Bible for 15 minutes and it, nothing earth-shattering happened. But here's the deal. It all adds up. And if you commit to going to church every week and you commit to reading your Bible every day and you commit to talking to the Lord every day and you commit to what goes in your mind is, is of heaven, is of the Lord, and all those little things, maybe none of those things by themselves make a huge difference, but it all adds up, it all counts, and it's sowing to the Spirit. How do I walk with the Spirit? I walk step by step, in stride. Everything that comes into me is either going to be feeding my spirit or feeding my flesh, and so I want to starve the flesh and feed the spirit. The kind of songs you listen to, they matter. If all you listen to is Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi and Leonard Skinner and all my other favorite groups like REO Speedwagon and, and so forth, it matters. You know, welcome to paradise. Okay, anyway. Number five, living by the spirit means crucifying oneself. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I was reading about a young student as we close who was talking to an old theologian, and he put it this way. He said, when I became a Christian, I thought I'd stop struggling with sin. I thought I crucified myself. Romans 6 says, at the moment of baptism, I am dying just like Jesus died on the cross. I am, I am going through the same crucifixion internally, I thought I would stop struggling with these things I've been struggling with. And he's asking the old theologian, why isn't, it, why isn't this working? Why am I still struggling with these things? And the theologian gave a great remark. He said, well, crucifixion is a long and painful process. It is. That's why Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. So here are some prayers that I think would be good prayers to pray. God, I want righteousness. I want to crucify my flesh today. God, empty me of myself. Fill me with you today. Or God, guide me today. Mold me. Shape me. Make me what you want me to be today. God, help me keep in step with the Spirit. 
every step all day long. And you will see fruit. And you will see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control when you pull the weeds and you walk in step with the Spirit. So here's, here's some real talk as we close. You can't have that if you don't have the Spirit. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, it is at that moment that the Spirit comes and lives within you and this power becomes available to every believer in Christ. You can't have it until you do it. And once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you make him Lord of your life, and Acts chapter 2, verse 38 actually teaches us how to get the gift of the Holy Spirit. It says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've never done that today, we would invite you to do that. If you have any questions, if you want prayer, if you want to talk about it, grab me after the service. I'd love to do it. Father, the, this is game-changing. There are so many believers struggling wondering why the fruit is not growing. Why is there no produce? Why is there not a harvest? And the whole time there's weeds sitting on the side. We're feeding weeds in the same garden that we want fruit. And so, Father, I pray that, th that this would be an action sermon, that we would put this into practice and we would put our hands on this and that we would make the changes that are necessary. It's not right to be frustrated at you to sit here and say, why aren't you producing these? whenever we have weeds all over our garden. So, Father, give us the courage and the boldness to do it and help us walk in step with the Spirit of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this truth that you gave Paul. We thank you that he was faithful in writing it down. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's